all these gifts are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we always do, to join us here this morning and to be with us, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, ordinarily, I'll ask you to reserve your laughter until I say something funny. That'll make me feel better than if you have already started laughing just while I'm reading the Bible. (laughs) Today, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts. We have this reading that talks about them, and for most people... Uh, sort of the official spiritual gifts aren't something that we talk about a lot. We are Episcopalians, after all, even though I don't ordinarily like the all Episcopalians are like this sort of joke. It's true that in the main, the Holy Spirit, and specifically the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are a sideline issue for us, if we think about them at all. But Paul says in his letter that he doesn't want the Corinthian church, who he's writing to, to be uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. And so he goes through this sort of list. There are varieties of gifts, he says, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord, varieties of activities, but is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he goes to his list. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing. To another, the working of miracles. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, he says, are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. I bet you 20 bucks I know what you're thinking right now. $20 says that as I read that list, you were sort of going through a mental checklist of yourself with me, hoping to find a spiritual gift that seemed like something that you had. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles. That's mine, by the way. Prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. But if you're anything like me, you didn't really identify with any of them. And you're wondering now, have you been blessed with a gift of the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit come onto you and given you a gift? This is how I feel. Have I been gifted by the Holy Spirit? I think of the the other lists in Scripture that I struggle to find myself on. Um, The one that I think about most often is the list of the fruit of the Spirit. This is another list, also written by St. Paul. In Galatians chapter 5, he says that the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I have the same reaction to this list that I do to the 
spiritual gifts. I go through my mental checklist, and I don't find a whole lot of evidence in my life or in my heart that any of these fruit or these gifts apply to me. Now, of course, right before Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, he gives another list, something he calls the works of the flesh. Now, unfortunately, here is where I find myself described. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, he says, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy. That's a hard one, jealousy. Anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, he says, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you can see my problem starting to come into sharper focus now. If you start trying to find yourself on one of these lists, either the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh, it's always that last one that describes you most closely. And of course, that's the one list that comes with a threat. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's bad news. But I have good news. It's my job, actually. I I am contractually required to give you good news every Sunday. We're thinking about these lists all wrong. Now, the list in his listings in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh, Paul actually makes an important distinction that we miss. He distinguishes between work and fruit, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. Not fruit and fruit or work and work, but fruit on the one hand and work on the other. He's saying that when we work, when we're active, when we're doing stuff, these bad things come out. When we allow, on the other hand, the Spirit to bear fruit, when we're passive, when we're not doing stuff, these good things come out. Christianity is often thought to be about action, right? Christianity is about doing something. Love is a verb, said DC Talk. Christianity is a lifestyle. But it's not. It's just not. Elsewhere, St. Paul says that he has been crucified with Christ and that it is no longer he who lives, but that it is Christ who lives in him. Now, that is about the most passive thing he could ever say. It's no longer I who live, he says. Not only am I not active, I'm not even alive. And now he gives us this distinction between the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. When Paul relies on his flesh, it looks like fornication, impurity, jealousy, anger, envy. But when Paul dies and Christ lives, it looks like love, joy, peace, Patience, generosity, 
And we forget every day, all the time, that these two things don't come from the same place. See, we think that we're the source, right? We can either produce fruit of the Spirit or we produce works of the flesh. But Paul is saying that works come from us. That's why it's called work. But fruit comes from the Spirit. The same is true of the gifts. He says, all these gifts are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. The whole reason that St. Paul talks about fruit and gifts on the one hand is that he wants to divorce them from the things that we do, our works, on the other hand, our active behavior. When a tree brings forth really great apples, who gets the credit? It's the farmer, right? Not the tree. We congratulate the farmer on his technique, on his watering, on his care. We don't, we don't say that tree is the best apple tree. We say This farmer really knows what he's doing. When the cherries are especially tasty, it's the person who planted them, tended them, watered and fed them, and picked them at just the right time. That's who gets congratulated. The trees, the vines, the bushes are just the vessels through which the work is done. And the fruit and gifts of the Spirit are just like that. Paul has chosen the most passive of all metaphors. Fruit hanging on a tree. The quality of the fruit is independent of the tree. The tree can't decide to have good fruit. There are many other factors involved. Isn't this true to your life when you decide to bear good fruit? You find that it's a little more complicated than that? For instance, we can't decide to have well-behaved children. Believe me, I've decided. (laughs) We'd like to And we do all that we can to give them the information they need to make good choices. We support them, we love them, we care for them. But in the end, evidence has shown every night at bedtime (laughs) that it's something beyond our control. It's like the way that we can't decide to fall in love. This is why we call it falling in love. Love happens to us. This is what all the movies are about. All of them. Every time, every time I um, would fly home from school when I was in college, I, I went to school in Arizona, and I would fly home to Virginia for holidays, and my parents would always meet me at the airport, and they would always sort of want a big display of joy that I was home. They sort of wanted the, you know, running across the field of wheat with my arms <laughs> held wide, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, couldn't bring myself to be that way. And I knew what they wanted. I knew what they wanted. But I couldn't give it to them. I was unable to create joy in myself. And of course, when I tried to pretend, they saw through it instantly. And everything was worse off than if I had just acted like a normal person. But the point that Paul is trying to make here is that when we take control... When we try to work, it ruins everything. But when we let it go, when we become passive, fruit blossoms and good things happen. Now we get 
confused about this sort of thing by the minute. And we make this reading, this fruit of the Spirit reading, about sort of morality and everyday behavior. Works of the flesh, we think, equals bad. Fruit of the Spirit equals good. Exhibiting spiritual gifts equals good. Not exhibiting spiritual gifts equals bad. So let's all go out and be loving, joyful, peaceful, and patient. Let's avoid being fornicators, impure, jealous, angry, and envious. Oh, and while you're at it, let's be wise, be prophets, do miracles, and speak in tongues. That's your assignment for this week. Life in this format becomes a giant scales where we hope at the end that we have more fruit and gifts of the Spirit to outweigh our works of the flesh. That's how we think of it. We hope that by the end of things, we'll have done more good than bad. And it sounds simple. At least, at least we think we can do that. Maybe by the end, we can get our scales in balance. But is it simple not to be angry? Have you tried? How about envious? Is that a feeling that you can control in yourself? Do you find it to be true that you can look at a beautiful woman or a handsome man and control your thoughts toward purity? How about when the person you live with leaves the place a mess again? Are you able to feel nothing but love toward them? Or more to the point, when they say something hurtful to you, are you so in control of your thoughts and feelings that you can summon up a love for them that asks for nothing in return? So you can see how we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle. How is the scale of fruit of the Spirit versus works of the flesh hanging in your life? Now, The more honest we are with ourselves about our innermost thoughts and feelings and motivations, the more afraid we become of Paul's threat. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because we do such things. I do such things. I am envious and angry. I am impure. We do not love. We are not joyful. We do not make peace. And we feel like we lack any spiritual gift. This is the state of affairs that we find ourselves in day by day. So what? What what needs to happen? We can't just tell the tree to bear better fruit. We already decided that the tree is pretty passive. It's not going to respond if you yell at it. It's got to be up to the farmer. He's got to dig up the ground around the root system and clean up in there. And as cheesy as it sounds... That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus does. He does not come to us and tell us to improve our fruit. The farmer does not lecture the tree. And Jesus does not lecture us. He knows that the problem is much deeper than that. He knows that the tree can't help itself, that it needs help from the outside. God knows that we can't help ourselves. And so sent Jesus to us.
Jesus comes to us in our envy, in our anger, in our impurity, and he takes all of that on to himself. When he was crucified, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said that because in that moment, all the works of the flesh, our works of the flesh, were laid down upon his shoulders. Jesus, the one man ever who exhibited the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in all he did, gave those things up and took on the works of the flesh, our flesh, so that we wouldn't have to pay the price that he paid. He got the works of the flesh, we get the fruit of the Spirit. Now, of course, we still live here, in this place. We remain human. We are all too aware that we remain human. It is our nature to want to take control back, to get the credit. We do it every day. We do it every hour. We did it this morning, and we'll probably do it again at coffee hour. And yet, because of that moment couple thousand years ago when Jesus took our works of the flesh upon himself and gave us his fruit of the spirit we are still regarded whatever our earthly flesh looks like as bearing the fruit of the spirit and as bearers of all kinds of spiritual gifts when God looks at us he sees the fruit of the Spirit. When God looks at us, he sees all the gifts of his Son. And the real miracle is, it actually happens. We love without needing something in return. We are joyful for another person. We make peace in an unsettled situation without an eye toward what we'll get out of it. Each of these things is a miracle because they come directly from God. They are gifts given to us because, as we know all too well, the works of the flesh are obvious. We live lives characterized by the work of the flesh, but in Christ, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. St. Paul says, all these gifts are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. So as we go back out into the world this morning, let's try for a moment to remember that we can't improve our fruit, that we don't choose or develop our own spiritual gifts. Good fruit and spiritual gifts must be given to us. And the good news is that these gifts have been given to us with nothing held back and no requirement of a response. When Jesus gave himself up, he died for each one of us and took away all our junk, all the works of our flesh, and gave us all the good fruit and every spiritual gift. Amen.